always great following a good choir because you get a message from music and if I mess up at least you've got a sermon for the morning <laughs> it is a pleasure it is a joy and pleasure to be with you this Sunday and next Sunday um, I know a lot of you um, but some of you don't know me I'm Doug Lofton my parents have been part of this church for a while I grew up in this church uh, I was baptized in this well, in the building in Tenth and Blondo in 1967 by Ellsworth Woods, who was kind of inspired to ministry by Terry Halstead and uh, went off to college in 74. Came back in 78 to marry my high school sweetheart, who had also been a youth minister here, Barb Harshbarger Lofton. And we're still married. She will be here next week, but she's taking care of grandkids. We got six of them, but she's taking care of two of them this weekend. And then came back and had the privilege of uh, this church being my sponsor congregation when I was ordained into the Christian ministry in 1981. I retired um, a year ago, next Sunday, last of February, from a church in Greenwood, Indiana, which is a suburb of Indianapolis. After being there for 14 years, spending time in Nashville, Tennessee, and in Cedar Rapids, and in Packwood, Iowa. And uh, it is good to always come back home again. And so this is a joy. I was thrilled when David called me and said, would you mind filling in a couple Sundays while I'm, while I'm on sabbatical? And I said, I would love to. By the way, uh, you probably know this, David was one of the youth in my youth group when I was youth minister. <laughs> I went to Drake for a year and I was a religion major and I was a youth minister at Capitol Hill Christian and David was a junior in my youth group. He's not that much younger than I am, but he's young enough. To... <laughs> but anyway, but what a joy it is to, uh, to come back home again and to be with you. I, one of the ways that uh, Barb and I finally figured out we, we fully become retired about two weeks ago, she, uh, she looked at me and she said, is it Wednesday? And I said, no, it's Saturday. And we checked our phone and it was Friday. But that's, that's, that's good. That's good. Debbie asked me what I was preaching on this Sunday and I gave her a scripture reading and a paragraph. And she says, I still have no idea what you're doing. And she says, I don't either, so we're good. So. <laughs> Uh, I want to do a brief reading from 2 Samuel this morning. By the way, you have a wonderful, wonderful Bible teacher in David. He is an outstanding teacher and preacher, and uh, I have really enjoyed worshiping with you, with him in leadership. I'm a little more of a storyteller, and uh, so I'm going to take a piece of scripture, and then we're going to kind of work it into a life story that I hope will have some connection points to you this morning. So be a little patient with me. It'll take me a while to get to my point. But let's look at this scripture today. I'm going to read first from the um, New Revised Standard Version, and a little bit later I'll refer, refer to the New International Version. It's got just one or two words that are, are different, uh, but they do make a difference. Let's hear this verse. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may live their own, so that they may live in their own place and be disturbed no more. The evildoers shall afflict them no more, as formerly. That's God's blessing upon this word as it applies to today's message, but more as it applies to our lives as we seek to be more faithful Christians each and every day. Let me go put the Bible over here. When I was a younger pastor, I had a pulpit like this and I didn't have a shelf, so I dropped the Bible on the floor and I died. <laughs> 
I had an elderly gentleman that told me why I didn't need to do that again, so I remember that lesson. My last church in, um, in Greenwood, Indiana, we were kind of like a lot of churches, the August time of year, especially before we made the transition to kind of a year-round school system where the kids actually go back to school the last of July, 1st of August now. But before then, August was just a dead month. Everybody was traveling, everybody was doing things, nobody was in church. So I sat down with staff and we said, let's, let's do something for us. Since nobody's here anyway, let's do something we will enjoy. So we got some of our musicians together, we got some of our people who love drama together, and we created a worship series we called Front Porch Church. Now, it wasn't unique, it wasn't a unique idea to us because the idea grew out of a public radio show called Prairie Home Companion. Garrison Keeler, you may remember that, it's been off the air, uh, at least in its former form, for a few years. But what we would do is we would build a big set and we had actually the frame of a house on the stage and a front porch with a rocking chair and a railing and I would start my mornings out on the front porch on the rocking chair. We'd bring in guest artists from Indiana. We actually brought up a couple of friends from Nashville, Tennessee and had them as our special guest music for the day. We sang a lot of music that sounded a lot like what the choir sang this morning and then we had Reader's Theater and a fictitious advertiser that we would always bring those there. It was a lot of fun. We laughed a lot, but we tried to also make a, a point with this. What I can tell you, after 10 years, well, after in year two, it actually became our best attended services of the year. We had bigger crowds in August than we did in December. It was a lot of fun. My very first story, the very first Sunday of this series, From the Porch, was based here in Keokuk, Iowa, on a front porch between 8th and 9th Street on Blondo. It was my grandparents' front porch. And I went back and remembered that from a child's perspective, the world on Sunday afternoons when we would stop by there later just to sit and watch the world go by, everything in the world that I cared about either went by or stopped by that front porch. If there was anybody or anything else that was missing, I didn't know about it and I didn't care. For many reasons, this is why, why I will always remember that front porch as a place of comfort and safety and security. See, the troubles of the world, for me, never made it up those four steps that led to where our small family observed the world that we cared most about. As I grew up, all the places I lived in had some kind of a porch that for me always looked out over an uncomplicated world. Even growing up in the 60s, back on 13th and Enlighten, I lived in a neighborhood where most of the other houses had kids who went to the Catholic Church. Remember back in the 60s, they called a mixed marriage, some a Catholic and a Protestant? Remember when it used to be that way? Well, being the Protestant family in that neighborhood was never a problem. It just didn't seem to have those issues that the world had. And Barb, well, Barb, my high school sweetheart, who's still my wife, we've been married for 41 years. All the places we've lived have either had a front porch or a nice patio in the backyard. Now, some people like that backyard patio because if you got a fence up, you're really secluded from the rest of the world, but I love the front porch because I can look out on whatever corner of the world's right out front. 
Something about neighbors walking by. Something about the ability to look out on your little corner of the world that will bring you safety and security and a feeling that you're where you need to be. The Bible is literally full of verses about people going home, coming home. The prodigal son is one of those great stories, or finding a home. The 40-year journey of the Jews from Egypt was about establishing their promised homeland. This was God's divine promise to them as a people. Within, within the Bible, home is a place where you can sit with your generations and you can teach them your values. You can instruct them in the faith. It's a place of safety. It's a place where you can welcome the stranger in. And the loss of your home is significant. And the reestablishing of a home is essential. In the NIV translation of our verse today, it says this, and I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Home is where we get to interpret what the world means and how we successfully operate in it. And the front porch, the front porch is where we get perspective on how we get to interpret and observe the world or at least our little piece of it. Now when we moved to Indiana, we got a house that had a front porch. It wasn't one of those big wraparound front porches that Barbara's always said she wanted where you could have multiple rocking chairs and you can look out to the north, south, west, and maybe even into the east. No, ours was one of those that kind of was in a little cul-de-sac in the, in the, with a part of the house over here, but this beautiful open space where the, the porch and the breeze would come in. But that alcove, the people who own the house and who built the house before we lived there, I guess they didn't like sunlight. Because in that little space they planted a tree, hung every kind of plant you could hang, and planted, planted vines up the other side of the house. Kind of, uh, kind of our Midwestern version of the Brazilian jungle. But we could still see, once we got all that down, we could still see out into that little cul-de-sac and, and we could see the kids riding their bikes and an occasional pickup basketball game. But if I wanted to see more of the world, which I didn't often care to do, or if there was a big noise down the street, I had to get off my porch. I had to kind of walk out and lean a little bit. And then I could shake my head and go back and sit back down again. We took that garden and, and we made it ours. We planted a few plants, put in a walkway where the granddaughters could walk and sunlight would now get in and they could have their little tea parties out there and we could sit on the front porch and enjoy the day. Or we could take a little nap. Or we could read a book. You see, the, the front porch has always, always been a good place to experience in the, wor the world in the way that I want to embrace it. Doesn't, doesn't deaden my senses like watching politics on TV channel after channel after channel telling the same story in a myriad of ways that don't even sound like the same story. Or it doesn't overwhelm me like seeing the world through a computer screen where, to be honest, there's way too much information there for me to absorb. You know, front porch allows us to kind of live in the world a small piece at a time, to absorb what we want to absorb. We get to pick and choose who are there. We get to pick and choose those one-on-one -on -one conversations. The front porch is something we can control in a place where no one questions or confronts how we think life should be. 
When I was on my grandparents' front porch, I truly didn't feel like my world was being expanded in the conversations of that place. People would come down the sidewalk, but they'd actually turn and walk up the steps, and, and people drop by, and, and it, was, it was great. But, you know, even on my front porch, I, I find great comfort that it's a place where my world gets smaller, where the, my corner of the world seems peaceful and, and manageable. I think every one of us crave the experience of whatever our front porch is. Whether it's a physical place or a state of mind, the ability to let the complexities of the, of the world go for a while so that we can find safety and comfort in the old familiar places of our little corner. Our lives crave it. In fact, in some ways our lives require it. And so, it should not be unexpected that we have strong reactions to those people that come uninvited to our front porch. Barb is ready to put a no solicitor sign in our yard because when strangers come to our door, the dog goes crazy. Now, it's not a big dog. I mean, it's a, it's a fruit fruit dog. It's Barb's dog. But that dog goes nuts. And the quiet and the solitude of our home erupts into a temporary mass confusion as, as one of us rushes to get the dog, answer the door, and hopefully not awaken the twin granddaughters who might be taking their afternoon nap upstairs. To put it mildly, we love to invite people to our front porch, but we don't have those same warm and fuzzy feelings for the others who might just drop in. A lot of them to sell something. So our front porch, like many of yours, has become a sacred, semi-sacred space, which means those who do not respect it are not really welcome. Now, I know you may be thinking, where else is someone going to go other than to your front door if they're coming to see you? And I get that, but I don't like it. There are lots of manifestations of, of the front porch where we go to escape, where we go to heal, where we go to renew. Maybe for you it's a campsite, a, an overview of a lake, a, a cabin. Maybe it's a vacation spot that you've gone year after year. Or maybe it's someplace located around and in your home. For me, there's a fishing lake in Canada where I get to go with my son and a group of old friends year after year. For Barb, our backyard pool has that kind of quality. When she's out there, I don't bother her. And for many of us, our church, our church has functioned as an extension of our front porch as well. We like that feeling of familiar when we walk in the door of our church. We're warmed by the familiar faces, the greeting of old friends and family. In our lives, there seems to be so few places that have the quality of a familiar front porch. So we fight hard. We fight hard to keep things the way they are. With so much change going on beyond our ability to control it, what we can keep stable and predictable becomes really, really important to us. We seek out those places because they are points of connection to our past, and who we think we are now, and who we think we want to be in the future. So it's no surprise, no surprise at all, that change of any kind in these front porch sanctuaries creates for us worry, and sometimes fear. There's a wonderful scene in my favorite movie of all times. I know I'm dating myself because this movie's an old one. Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. I lived in... Uh, 
I lived in Cedar Rapids when I, they put out the call for if you want to be in a movie, bring your car and you can park it alongside the road. Remember that last scene where all those cars? We didn't do it. I wish we had. Now I could always look and say, that's my car right there. I was in the movie. But the conclusion of the movie is when we finally realize the real reason for the baseball field needing to be built in the middle of an Iowa cornfield. If you've seen it, you know that it's not about providing a place for dead baseball players to gather to have a game. The real reason is so that reconciliation can take place between the man who built the field and his father who had died years before. The last exchange on earth they had had been a heated one where the son told his father that his baseball idols were crooks and that he didn't have time to play catch. The father died before the son could take it back. Try not to cry. Here's the last scene of the movie. Catch a good game. Thank you. So beautiful. For me. Well, for me, it's like a dream come true.
You know, the old wraparound front porch is where home is. It's where family is. It's where life makes sense and where life has purpose. And it's really hard to give up those places or even step out of those places. Because it feels like a taste of heaven when we need it the most. Front porches are great places to watch the world go by without getting sucked into it. We can escape on them. We can find comfort in their sameness. But front porches can be limiting as well. Why? Because they only give us a glimpse into the world that is passing us by so quickly. And if we spend too much time exclusively on those front porch places in our lives, we're going to lose the ability to function and to thrive in a world that is changing so quickly and is demanding our attention. You see, to offer Christ to a broken world, we can rarely do it from the safety of our front porch. It generally requires us to step off, to step into places that may be uncomfortable. As much as the next person, I love the security and the consistency of my front porch world, but I also know that to truly live a life pleasing to God, I sometimes need to invite others onto my front porch. Or even more, I need to step off and step onto theirs. We're living in a time where walls are being built, where there seems to be more divides in our society than I can ever remember. Because fear, fear captures our hearts and our spirits and our soul. We're afraid of what will happen if our world changes even a little bit. But we've got to be willing to step outside our comfort zones, outside our well-defined worlds, because the gospel invites. Now, the gospel demands that we love our neighbors, that we respect those that we have identified as our enemies, and that we give, our, give of ourselves in ways that will always feel beyond our ability. See, our front porches are places of refuge and comfort, but God demands that we step off of them. Step into places where we can be reflections of the one who has always been willing to meet us where we are as we seek to be better Christians in a world that desperately needs it. I know it's easy to hunker down, to hide away, to try to keep your corner of the world just the way you need it, but God demands that we leave that place. And thank God, God equips us to leave that place, to go into a world and to see our brothers and sisters in need, and to share with them the message of good news that it is not just our Christ we worship, but their Christ as well. May God give us the courage to find the safety of our porch and then to leave it as a springboard of health that we might be agents of love and compassion. May God bless us in our journeys together. Amen.